Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi. Still a little under the weather, but getting out of it. <clears throat> um, tonight is Wednesday, and I want to take uh, tonight is Wednesday. That's right, <clears throat> and I want to take a look at the uh, podcast, the Trila podcast, which is always sponsored by Mishpacha Stefanski, from <clears throat> uh, We're Grateful. And uh, <clears throat> this week, I want to talk about an event, a historic event that happened this week, which is, in my opinion, connected with the Valam Shinim. Because <clears throat> nobody knows the exact original news of Lamashinim or Laminim, but this usual suggestion is that it was written about the early Christians, <clears throat> which I'm not sure I agree with. In other words, the idea would go like this, based on Toldus Yeshu, that um, the original <clears throat> Christians were original Christians were a Jewish sect, um, precisely because they were a Jewish sect. Said if I drained everybody a cup within the Jewish community. <clears throat> And uh, a lot of people thought, like later on with Sabatianism, that you could also be a firm Jew and also be a Christian to some degree or another. In order to uh, wean people away from that, <clears throat> the Institute of Bracha Vlaminim Altisikva heck with these new uh, group in the hope that this would lead the Jews to <clears throat> separate from them and so forth. In my opinion, I think the Malmashim or the Laminim is older. <clears throat> I think it has to go with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Prussian and Sadducum. And uh, I was inspired to think about this because this is the month of Shabbat that we, excuse me, just started. And uh, this week, on Shnayim B'Shabbat, is a Megillah's Tainus Day. So it's too late for you to skip Tachnan, but that's what it's supposed to be. But uh, according to Jewish tradition, according to the Megillah's Tainus, which is <coughs> older than the Mishnah, it says... And all you have to do is take a look, or you can look at Yaakov Emden Siddur, or a certain Hasidic Siddurim. Usually mention these things, because, you know, they're always on the hunt for no Tachnan days. And um, <clears throat> it says, B'Shnayim B'Shvat, which was this week, Yantif, the Lola Mispid. Now, uh, no Hespid. Uh, not even a Hespid? <clears throat> How come the other place, it says Lola Mispid, Lola Sanus, and here it just says Lola Mispid? So he said like this, according to the tradition of the Megillus Tainus, which is an old and authoritative savior, that's where we get the Hanukkah story from, for example, it said, it's the day that Alexander Yanai died. El Shabarishan Meis Hordus, Ubezayin Meis Yanai Amel, okay? Which is, uh, the Gerses are very bad here. There's nothing you could, that's welcome to the world of the Megillus Tainus. Uh, I happen to be looking at one that was put out by this uh, Zichron Aaron, I believe it is. So it's got all the fancy fruit salad. The Gears is why. Zichron Aaron is not great on the Gears. That's a, unfortunately just the way it goes. The Zichron Aaron is not great on the Gears. If you want them to publish in, in nice print, you know, the um, Mepharshim, that you can get. So it depends what your uh, agenda is. And uh, let me pull out over here. <coughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I'm looking at Steinzels, who has a better Gersa. 
if you look at the Steins house, which is the Miguel's Tinus is located, if you'll recall, in um, in Mesechtis, Megillah, and, and Tinus. In other words, if you get the Steins house volume that has Gemara, Megillah, and Gemara, Tinus, in the middle, in between, he also throws in Megillah's Tinus with a fairly good gear. So, and it says, I'll read in there, Loma Shinu Zebezeb. So, I guess by the first one, the other place, we'll see in a second, it says uh, you can't fast, but you, but but uh, it didn't say you can't make a hesped. And here, this one today in Shabbat is so uh, joyous, you can't even make a hesped. So, it's a death of Yanaimel. The Hordus one was lesser. That's surprising. Because a happy day for God when the Hashem dropped dead. Now this is a very interesting concept, right? Because we don't have such a thing that we rejoice. I don't know, when Paro died, when when, when Titus died, when Hitler died, why don't we make a yanta for that? It's a Jewish thing, you understand? It's a Jewish thing, meaning when a Jewish wicked person, ruler died. You have to bear with me. I'm still down with a cold or whatever it is. Anyway, so according to tradition, this is when <clears throat> this week is when Alexander Yanai died. Now who's Alexander Yanai? Yanai Melch, as they call him. So he's a, a nephew, I guess, of Judah Maccabee, right? Uh, let's work this out. Judah Maccabee was killed in battle. His brother was Shimon. Shimon's son was John Hercules, and John Hercules' son would be Alexander Yanai. So this would be a, a grand nephew of Judah Maccabee. When they talk about the Hashanah screwing up and going off the derrick, that's what they have in mind. But the truth of the matter is that the reign of Alexander Yanni is extremely complicated. However, I would think, I do think, that the original Lama Shinim, which is against the Sadducees, Sadukim, who really flowered during his reign, in my opinion, really dates from then. Velaminim and all this, this is before the Christians even existed. You understand? Uh, none of this stuff existed. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> one of the classic arguments, people make fun of me sometimes, I say, you know, how do you know, from historical perspective, there isn't even a Jesus? Meaning, how do you know, show me historically that there was one? And um, there's almost no Gemara like that, if you scratch down to it. And a lot of the ones that you think of don't work because it's anachronistic. And a classic one, <clears throat> one of the most classic of them, comes exactly from the town of Alexander because everybody's heard the story of Meshub and Prachia, and his Talmud Yeshu, and how they ran away to Egypt, and on the way back, you know, uh, at the incident where Yeshu, according to the story, you know, was flirting with a girl, and the Rebbe was, uh, told him, get the heck out of here, and that led to a chain of events which he went off La Tarbis Raw, off the derrick, and he started another religion. That's the usual way yeshiva guys hear it, or something like that, I would say in the, uh, what's the right word, the, the urban legends. But Yeshua ben Prachia is from the time of Alexander Yanai, get it? Yeshua ben Prachia, this story happened back in the Hashemunayim time, approximately a hundred and some years BCE, get it? BCE? Before the Christian religion even started. So it's Arbitnish. And that's the way it goes with most of these <coughs> Agathas that people associate with the issue. Not everyone, but most of them. <coughs> More than you think. Uh, so what are we talking about over here? We're talking about time in history, which is very Mu'urpal, very unclear. Uh, but the uh, Maccabees defeated the Greeks finally. Somehow or other, even though the Maccabees defeated the Greeks and, and one would think got rid of the Hellenist Jews, somehow or other they didn't. And um, 
And next thing you know, there pops up a group called the Sadukim, who have their own Torah except well, their own Torah Shabbat Pale, let's put it that way. Contrary to popular belief, the Sadukim were not identical with the Karaites. The Karaites were in principle opposed. They're like Martin Luther, you know, <clears throat> sola scriptura. They're only into the Torah Shabbat The Tzedukim, as anybody who's ever learned Gemara knows, they had their own way of darshing Pesukim and Torah Shabbat of their own. Okay? Now, uh, you know, maybe it's more literal, whatever, but it doesn't matter. Now, it's a dukim, but just like some little group. The way it's described, at least in rabbinic literature, and it's hard to stitch this together. I'm well aware of that. I've done this in in the past when I was younger. I was more into this. But if you go, you know, rabbinical literature is tough because sometimes they give you semi-legendary stories and and harder, more historically hard stories. It's it's not pushing to put it all together. And um, there's a very famous story that you've heard, that Tzedukim started with Tzedukim Baisis, and Tzedukim started from time Antigonus Nishsocho, and since Antigonus Nishsocho, this is the officer of Nosso, what I'm saying, the officer of Nosso, since Antigonus Nishsocho said, Altiyo Kavonim Sham Shalom Rasma Kabul Pras, Altiyo Kavonim Shalom Rasma Kabul Pras, that don't serve God for reward, so the story goes, his two students said, I guess, Shmamina, there is no reward. Okay? In which case, the heck with it, and they went off, off the derrick. That is a oversimplification, but that's what, that is what the Chazal say. Well, look here, fellow. That happened time by Antigone Shishoko. Antigone Shishoko was a Talmud, according to the Perkyobis, of Shimon Asadik. Shimon Asadik, you're going back to Alexander the Great. You see the problem? You see the problem? And that's a push to put all these Agathas together. Now, um, having said that, it's clear from the Gemara, but also from Josephus in places like that, that there does emerge, what, after the Maccabees won and set up a state, a group called the Sadducees, so the Tzedukim. And in the time of Alexander Yanai, they, they, uh, they, became, they became dominant. Okay? Uh, it's a complicated story because it seems at the end of the life of Yanai's father, Yanai's father was John Herkinus, or as you call him, the Gemara Yochanan Kongoro, and everybody will remember the famous Mishnah, I guess, where it says, Al Tami Yatsha Ad Moscha, Shayochan Kohen Gadol, Kol Yom of Hoyabena Prushim, Lusof Yom of Nasabena Tzedukim. In other words, the Chazal were just saying it's interesting. Usually, people get firmer when they get older. Once in a while, you'll find a guy who was Orthodox all of his life, and at the end of his life, switched to reform. Usually, it's the other way around, right? And that was John Herkinus or Yochan Kohen Gadol. So, how this exactly happened, and on the Yana, it came to a full flowering is a trick to put together. <clears throat> I was the other day in um, in the Five Towns, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago in Ch- to be a Scotland residence over here, and I ran into um, Dr. Ari Bergman, who was nice enough to give me his book that he published on the uh, on the Deris Rishonim. So he published a study of the Deris Rishonim. Critical study. Deris Rishonim is it's his whole specialty, it's the guys like Rabinowitz, is trying to construct a chalant in his way, what I would call a, a Haredi type way, um, out of all these different Agatatas and Josephuses and Philos and Romans and all this kind of business. And it is a chalant. Whatever you do is a chalant because everybody knows the sources. The question is how to stitch them together. You understand? And the same way, no two women have the same chalant, same way, no two historians have exactly the same uh, narrative. <clears throat> but what is pretty clear is that um, after 
X number of decades after the Maccabees won and set up a Jewish state, let's call it the Kingdom of Judea, or the Principality of Judea, in other words, this would be Shimon and Maccabee, sometime after that, not right away, the government fell into the hands of the Tzedukim. That's clear. Now, where were the Prushim, where the Tzedukim? That's not so clear. And you have Agathas and things like that back and forth, and you have a lot of very significant material in the Megillus Tinus, I should point out. It's an unused source. And um, Josephus, not the Chazal, tells a story which is very interesting, which is that Yanai Hamel, Alexander Yanai, I don't want to go through a whole shmiel over here because that take too long, but Yanai um, was a son of, what do you call it? Uh, John Hercules, and his brother became the king after John Hercules died, not Yanai, who was actually in jail. And then, for a certain reason, I won't go into the story, the brother died after a year. Not before conquering the Galilee, though. He was a conqueror. So under, I'm talking about a time when the Jewish state was in an expansionist mode, and that the Hashemunayim, which is what we call these people, were in the policy of restoring the old Eretz Yisrael of the 12 tribes, and they did do so. Now, they didn't restore the 12 tribes, but the kingdom of Judea, but I'm talking about from military conquest. To be perfectly honest, they exceeded the territory of the 12 tribes. Isn't that interesting? Because by the time Yanai's finished, listen closely, they had the Gans Avery Yarding all the way down to the other side of the um, Dead Sea. You understand? It was all like one big bubble. Go Google a map for Israel in the time of Alexander Yanai or something like that. <laughs> now, uh... Yanai's wife was Shlomis Alexandra. She was from, according to Chazal, her brother was Shem ben Shatach. And there is the basis of many stories. Okay, Now that is not mentioned in Josephus. It is mentioned about his wife being Shlomis Alexandra, but it's not mentioned her brother was a rabbi. Okay, so now you have the particular period in history that's going on. Uh, it's pretty clear from reading Josephus, and even Yitzhak Isaac Alev and Dorothy Shonam agrees to this. Now again, if you want to get this in dumbbell form, because it's too hard to understand in the original Dorothy um, Roshanah for most people, that requires a great deal of zitzvah, and and it's just not easy. But you can get a Victor Miller. Rabbi Victor Miller has a Torination and exalted people. and he All he's doing is just parroting. I'm saying this in a good way, not a bad way. He's parroting what you find in Dorothy Roshanah. He did it on purpose when he gave history classes when he mashkiach in the Chaim Berlin Yeshiva. So, knowing very well what I just told you, which is it's beyond most guys to go and plow through the Doris Roshanim. Not everybody's Ari Bergman, you know. So, um, he put it down in a more English, straightforward, dumb, dumbbell fashion, which is a good thing. Okay, Took something extremely complex and made it uh, much easier. If you want to go with that particular construction of the narrative, of the facts, get it? It's a highly... Selective construction of the facts. It's very forfront. But okay. Okay. I mean, the other historians were anti from So he said, I'm going to give the from You know, grads, wise, those kind of people. And uh, <clears throat> to make a long story short, Yanai, when he came on the throne and married Shlomo Alexandra, you know, his brother's wife, the enemy kids. So um, he was by temperament a Tzaduki, but he wanted peace in the kingdom. And therefore, in the beginning, he kind of favored the Prushim. In other words, he said like this, 
Let's devote our attention to conquering the Goyim. There's plenty of Goyim to go around in Eretz Yisrael. There certainly were. And, and you know, precisely because he's not so from, these little questions of Bruce and weren't important to him. You know what I mean? Do you do the Keturahs inside the, the, the Kodesh Kodeshim? Do you do Keturahs outside the Kodesh I mean, I understand the symbolism, but to a guy like him, a very practical businessman type, he's interested in conquering Akko. He's interested in conquering Eva Yarni. You know, and he got a lot of wars. His whole reign was a bunch of wars. And 50-50, half the time he won battle and conquered territory, half the time he lost the battle and lost territory. That's who he was. <laughs> Interesting guy. But over the course of time, just like in modern Israel, he allowed the, the Prushim, this is what Alevi says, to build up a whole network of, I'll use modern terminology, a whole network of um, Torah Mesorah and Yeshivas and Beis These people, therefore, were as opposed to Yanai as the Haredi in Israel is opposed to the state of Israel, certainly ideologically, right? They're living there, but they're uh, they totally delegitimate the state of Israel. So they totally delegitimate the Hasmonean state. Um, Yanai got angry, and by the time it's all over, as we all know the story, he they threw asterisks at him when he deliberately messed up, the story goes, the uh, Nisa Hamaim ceremony on circus. Whereupon he unleashed the guards and they killed all the Jews that were there, and the war was on. And a civil war raged, which is told in great detail in Josephus, between two teams. This is very bad. Two Jewish groups battled each other, the Prussian on the one side, the Tzedukim on the other. And the Prussian had a big following, as Josephus says, and they had a big army. And without, again, without going through all the details, if you're interested in what I'm talking about, just, you know, go get Josephus, it's online, and just Google what he has about. Alexander Yanai. It's a very complicated story. It's interesting, but I don't, that's not what I'm here for now. And by the time it's over, Yanai won, and he crucified the Chachamim, those the leaders of the Pharisees, he ever got his hands on. And in a particularly barbaric way, in other words, he had his wives and concubines, he threw a party like orgy, and the, and the floor show was the crucifixion, the crucifixion of the Frum. That was a floor show, get it? I'm serious. I'm very serious. Whereupon the Jews like this. You're a Thracian. Thracian is like calling Thrace was the part of Greece known for particular barbaric. It's like they like to pull, you know, uh, uh, wings off of birds and things like that. You know, sick dogs, get it? I'm not sure what the American equivalent would be. A sicko. So they call him a sicko. <clears throat> and uh, Yanai proceeded, therefore, to uh, kill thousands and thousands of Jews, of his enemies, Look, they were going to kill him, so he, he got them. And he imposed, you know, so he went from town to town. Anybody was connected with the Agudah or the Mizrahi was killed. And their families. I just want you to know. And, um, the, what do you call it? And everything was, was, um, you know, pretty terrible. Like 50,000 were killed in battle, stuff like that. And the, uh, what do you call it? The, the, uh, he he won and was able to impose a reign of terror. No, he ruled the country by force. He had he had Daisha mercenaries, and the Jews were held down by force. And if you were from, you know, you kept your mouth shut or whatever. Uh, and the hatred between the Jews that was unbelievable, right? In my opinion, it was in this Kufa that they made the first version of Lamashinimor for Laminim to be more exact, because they would and, and for all I know. It may have said, I'm very serious. You see? That's probably what it said. 
who were seen as violent, you know, mamzerim, who are killing everybody and all the rest of it, and trying to force their version of Judaism. Although, I want to say, the Prussian tried to do the same thing. Except that we say that we're on the right side, they say they're on the right side. That's what that's what happened. Uh, I'm fairly certain that this is correct. Uh, and anyway, so the feelings were white hot. Once Yanai did that, see, he was able to rule as a dictator, hold the country down by force, and proceed to conquer new territory and add it to Eretz You get it? In his mind, the firm are too stupid to cop, that I'm really doing a good thing for Klal Yisrael. I am adding territory, which is ours, okay? Nothing, I'm not going to faraway places. I'm talking about conquering the whole coastline of Eretz Yisrael. Which he did, by the way, this is the only time in history, listen to what I'm about to tell you, when the Gaza Strip was under Jewish control. He conquered the Gaza Strip, Yanai. In very bloody wars, and there was a lot of betrayals back and forth. Again, you can read all the details in Josephus, if you're interested. It's quite a story. But that's the only time when the Jews held the Gaza Strip, with the exception of Ashkelon. I'm not 100% sure why, but I assume that Ashkelon was machnia to him, and therefore they said, you know, we do a lot of trade, as a port city, and we'll give you a big cut. Something along those lines. So if you're talking about from the beginning of the Gaza Strip of Rafiah, because he conquered that, all the way up to Akko. He couldn't conquer, he tried, but he couldn't take Akko. Uh, that's as far as he got, but he got the Galilee, and he got the whole Avery Garden, in a bunch of bloody wars. So in his mind, he was doing a good thing, and he was, uh, and he was a patriot, and he was confident that his conquest of territory would justify his patriotism and that his suppression of the Pharisees at Apushim would be justified in history. Okay? Now, on the other hand, nobody likes to be as hated as he did. If they put out, as I am asserting that they did, Mamasha Bracha, like Latsadukim al Tisikva, and it's even possible that they might original original Nusa said, Falayanai al Tisikva, which means he knew. Hundreds of thousands of Jews, Bifarhesi or Betsina, depending on the situation, were mamish cursing him every day, like the pulse of the Nuri you hear about in Israel. It bothered him, because he did not want to be a hated person. That's not who he was. He wasn't exactly Stalin, you know? He was a misguided guy, which is a very, very interesting character study. I'm not going to do that now, but I'm saying it's a, it's, it, it would repay. That's a good drusha or podcast, I guess, maybe, whatever, of its own. Because uh, he did not want to be um, hated. But he had grown up among the Greeks. That's part of his story. And therefore he picked up a lot of Greek, what's the right word, savage temperaments. That's why he killed so easily and all the rest of it, tortured people so easily, crucified people so easily. <clears throat> but by the Goyim, especially in that era, I could be your enemy today and your friend tomorrow. Like Churchill and Stalin and Roosevelt, you know? One day they're enemies, next day they're friends, next day they're enemies again. Based on the episode of Lord Palmerston, England has no permanent friends, England has no permanent enemies, England has permanent interests. So that means that people guide themselves by current interests. And even if you shechted my family yesterday, if it's could die for me today, politically and otherwise, economically, to be friends with you, I'll do it. I'll do it. 
he didn't understand the Jewish mentality. Well, let me put it this way. He certainly did not understand the Frum mentality. Boy, that's an understatement. The Frum's like this. You murdered the Chachamim. You crucified people I have a orgy. You go and do all this kind of stuff. And you think we'll ever forgive you? And in Josephus, it says that he was he found himself so hated that he sent messengers to the leaders of the Prushim and basically said like this, listen, I went too far. This is what he said. He said, I went too far and I realized it now and I honestly regret it. And he did, by the way. He wasn't lying. It was not, excuse me, it was not lying. I honestly regret I made a mistake. And I want to make this good. So tell me what I need to make it good. It's a little bit, reminds you of, uh, what's it called? The one who raped Dina, you know, Shechem. Uh, Just, I made a mistake. You know, tell me what I need to do to make this right. Which is a very Middle Eastern thing. And the Prushim, Josephus tells us, answered just like the brothers of Dina, which is, there's nothing you can do to make this right. They say you should drop dead. Literally, I'm serious. That's what it says over there. They say you should die. So, it was impossible for him to repair this. I'm sure he had regrets. I'm sure he had regrets. And he was therefore hated. And the same way that they made Lamoshinim or Vlayanai, Alti Sikor, something like that. Uh, so similarly, as you see over here in the Megillus Times, when he dropped dead, and by the way, he dropped dead, the story goes, during a siege. Get it? Notice he was sick, but he wanted to take one more city. Conquer another bit piece for Eretz Yisrael. I'll be famous one day, he figured, by adding land to Eretz Yisrael. And if you're a strictly pure Zionist, with no religious leanings whatsoever, you can look at Yanis like a heroic figure. There was a guy... I remember in the 50s, I'm not that old, but I mean, I know, who wrote a book called Melch Basavadam, uh, Moshe Shamir. He was the biggest Israeli author, Chilini, back in the time of Ben-Gurion, you know, way back when. And he wrote a book about Yanni, Melch Basavadam, which was translated into English. If you actually, it's, an, it's a novel, you know, historical novel of Yanni. It's, it's, it's a little, I mean, it's obviously touched up here and there. I remember reading it many, many years ago, Melch Basavadam. Uh, if you Google it, you'll find King of Flesh and Blood by Shamir. And, uh, you know, he, tra- he portrays him in a, in a uh, what do you call it? <laughs> Novel form. <clears throat> you know but it's based on Josephus. It's based on Josephus. And uh, he didn't take it all the way that I'm taking. That's like a, pe- a, a chalik. But he wanted to conquer territory. Now, <clears throat> in other words, he was a good secular Zionist, even though I, I really shouldn't use that term, because it's not fair. But I'm saying it because you on the podcast will understand what I mean when I'm using... That term. Now, this week, on second day of Shabbat, he died during the siege. There are many stories of his death during the siege. One thing is clear. He seems to have been so hated that his death was celebrated, this rabbinic text tells us, Miguel's Titus, more than the death of Hortus, Herod, who was worse. At least if you go by Doris Roshanim, Herod was a thousand times worse. And so it says... And so, the Megillus Tainus says about Yanai something that everybody else, including other rabbinic texts and Josephus say about Herod. And that is, he didn't want people to rejoice when he died, so he ordered a whole bunch of them to be killed on the day he died, so everybody would cry over that. They won't be happy. He locked him in jail. And he told the, the guy in charge of the jail, if I die, kill these rabbis. 
Instead of the Jews being happy over my demise, they'll be they'll, cry, they'll be mourning over their rabbis. Like that's what it says. Now, in this is just one of those cases where you have messed up girses and and not only girses, you have messed up traditions. And you do not everything you find in a rabbinic source is a non messed up tradition. It's hard to separate them out. <laughs> Most people don't understand that because you're not by shady people. Um, but what it says over here is as follows. There was a good woman named Shlomus of Salome. And when Yanai died, she took the ring off his finger. And she gave it to the head of the jail. Your master, my brother, or whoever the king was, came to me in a dream and he said, let him go. And the head of the jail let him go. And because of that, you know... Um, no, no, she didn't say Yanai died. She said, uh, uh, the, uh, he gave me the ring to let them go. He, she didn't say, I took it off the dead body. So it, um, it's, it's, it's uh, one of these mixed up gearses. Uh I'll tell you what I mean. Um, I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, Josephus and the Gemara elsewhere tells this exact story. I mean, the Miguel's Tynus in, 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 in um, Elul tells this same story about Herod. And that's who it's really about. It's a very bavusta story. And Herod's sister is Salome, Shlomis. And Herod wasn't Jewish, and his sister wasn't Jewish. She's the one who prevented them killing all the Pharisees. It doesn't really work by Yanai, because there weren't any Pharisees left. They all were hiding. They were running away and left the country. You see? Moreover, there are many Gemaras, there's a number of them, that tell a story which, ident- which is identical almost with Josephus, which is a much more interesting and complex story. And it fits much more the MS of what happened according to the way we know who Yanai was. And the story is that um, when he was dying, he called his wife, Shlomis, and she was sister Shemeshazah, she was from, and he said, I'm going to be gone soon. Um, when I die, he said, give my body over to Prushim and say, do whatever you want with it. And the the Prussian will be, I know these guys, these rabbis, they'll be wise enough not to mistreat my body, because that'll just tick off the tzedukim and continue the civil war. They know the country's bleeding from civil war. The chachamim, being chachamim, will try to do anything to stop Jew killing Jew. And therefore, they'll they'll give me a a respectful, they'll treat my body well, and they'll give me a respectful uh, funeral. Uh... And you, Shlomus, can be the queen, and you're from anyway, you'll put the rabbis in charge of the state, which is what she did. So in other words, when Yanai actually dies, she calls her brother in, Shem B'Shetach, who's head of Chacham, and says, you're the prime minister now. That is what happened, okay? So the reign of Yanai was followed by that of his wife, and the nine years that they were in charge, the Hainu, Shlomus, the queen, and her brother, Shem as the, as the prime minister, were good years, were very good years, Okay? Um, that's a separate schmooze. And he said, I know the Chacham, they're, they're softies. So if you do this, I'll get a nice burial, and I'll get a nice kever and kvura, because the Chachamim, if you give in to them, they'll, they'll, they'll be merciful. Which And, and the Kachava. And Josephus says, once they saw that they won, he says, not to die to continue the war, let's just say he was a good guy and move weiter. In other words, reopen the yeshivas, take over the Sanhedrin again, start up the Torah Shabbal 
And, who, and, you know, we won't concentrate on the historical question of what kind of a jerk Yanai was, which is the antithesis of what you find in the Miguel's Tainus here in Shabbat. Uh, so it's very interesting to me. Uh, there is another Gemara, again, fits very nicely with the Josephus description, except Josephus didn't use these words, and you will perhaps recall these, where according to Chazal, he said, when his deathbed, Altis Yar Min Aprushim, Vi Altis Yar Min Atsudukim, Tis Yar Min Ha Tsevuin, Sha Oisim Isa Pinchos, Vakshan Scharke, Oisim Isa Zimri, Vakshan Scharke Pinchos. Watch out for hypocrites. Get it? In other words, if a guy's a Democrat, he's a Democrat. He's a Republican, he's a Republican. Showing. The guy who's a faker will, will try to get in with the Kritzacharain and worm his way into your confidence. That's the one to worry about. So notice he blamed unprincipled, which how should I say it, advisors who were only thinking about their own gain for provoking him into a civil war against the Frum, which didn't get him anywhere. Right? Which didn't get anywhere. Because the country at that time was mainly Frum. Uh, this is the story we have in this week's, um, in this in this past week, from the McGill's Tynus. Uh and it goes to show you, in my opinion, how how old the Lamoshinim is, um, because it didn't start with the Christians, simply because the Christians are not the first sect. The Tzedukim are really the uh, first sect, and uh, there were times. Um, especially the time I'm talking about, the reign of Yana was a peak when it's a dukim for various reasons. And I don't know them all, I just know the construction of the facts. Were able to attain power and really had a shot at turning Kalisar around. Now, it didn't happen in the long run because, as they say, Yana died and the government switched over to the Prusham. Uh, so, you know, it didn't work that way. But it's very, very interesting. And Today, when we see Lamalshim, all the rest, I mean, everybody has in mind whoever they have in mind. You know, who are the Malshinim today? Malshim are the people telling uh, uh, the regular use of the word Malshin, which is somebody informs in the government. That's a tricky business. Um, now you have all the molester things. You tell the police, you shouldn't tell the police. You know what I'm saying? You know, is that how you mean by Lamalshim? No. So that's already tricky. But if you want to know, at least interesting to me, that's what I'm sharing with you today. Which is the oldest part of the Shimon Esrei? I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm fairly sure that this 19th bracha, which is added on to 18th, is quite old, and I don't think its first iteration is what you find in the Gemara. But I think it predates it and goes back to the time when, unfortunately, civil wars are raged between one set of Jews and the other, and we call them the Minim, and who knows what they call us. And uh, it was Yisa Goyal Goy Cherev, Yisa Yehudi El Yehudi Cherev. So uh, here we have a little bit of the ancient times. The the uh, Girsa, as corrupt as it is, in the Miguel's Tainus of this week, uh, which which is a day lowly misfit lowly reminds us of this uh, Tukufa. Anyway, I thought I would share that with you. And uh, once again, I want to thank Mishpach Savansky, as we always do for the sponsoring the Tfila podcast and I wish you all good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.